Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. We're not identified by our valuables. Our net worth isn't what we own. It's this relationship with God. It's the fact that I'm created in His image. It's the fact that I am loved by Him. Christians are called to live counterculture, completely different. Possessions wind up possessing us. Reaching up high with arms open wide, we see. Changing our lives so we can be our hands and feet. Where do we find our security? Is it in God or in our possessions? Many people are deceived that if they have just a certain amount of money, the right house or a nice car, that they will be satisfied. But that is a lie. Only God can truly satisfy us. Don't put your trust in money, but in God alone. The greed of money will control you and cost you your life. Your identity should be found in God. Living not for the things of this world, but to serve God by being a good steward of what He gives you. Now here's Pastor Ed with part two of his message entitled, Greed. Building in faith. Think of all the pharaohs. They wanted to take it with them. There in their pyramids were all sorts of wealth surrounding them. Uh, jewelry and gold vessels and artwork and all of these things. And when they discovered their tombs, they saw a decomposed body decaying away. And all the gold and all the silver and all the riches and jewelry is all there. You don't take it with you. You can't. It's to be used for him. And if you look for security in those things, you're looking in the wrong place. I want to read some things that I found uh, in October 1929. The stock market crashed. The economy was unable to recover. Within Within months, four million Americans were out of work. By the beginning of 1931, 8 million Americans were unemployed. By the end of 1931, 13.5 million could not find jobs. Those who managed to keep their jobs experienced as much as 50% cut in pay. And a reduction in the number of hours per week they were allowed to work. From 1930 to 1933, the number of workers who lost their jobs averaged 75,000 a week. In 1930, more than 1,300 banks were forced to close. Nine million families lost their life savings. By 1934, two out of every five homeowners in 20 major cities across our country lost their homes. Wow. Wow. It's folly. It's foolish to trust in riches for our security. Trust in the Lord. When you trust in riches, you're saying, God, 
I'll take the management of my life out of your hands and I'll put it into my hands. I'll trust in what I can do rather than what you could do. Greed does that. It forms idolatry and it puts in the place of God things and possessions and we try and gain satisfaction from them and security from them. Now greed impacts our relationship with God in those ways. But greed also impacts our relationship with self. And Proverbs 119, it reads, such is the fate of all who are greedy for money. It robs them of life. If your life is about money, you're going to lose your life. What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world but lose his own soul? If it's about the acquisition of things and goods, if it's governed and guided by greed, it's going to gut your soul out. You're going to be a ghost of a person. It'll rob you of your personhood. In Luke 12, 15, Jesus said, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. We don't believe that. You got to wear the right thing to school. The jeans with the right label. The blouses with the right label. You have to have the right sneakers. You got to drive the right car. It speaks of status. Whether you live in a million dollar home or in an apartment shouldn't define you. Whether you have purchased your clothes at Target or Walmart shouldn't define you. I read a story about a, a mother. This mother would go into the richest and wealthiest of clothing stores to look at dresses and blouses and pants and suits for her daughter. But she would never buy them. All she would do is with a scissor cut off the labels on the inside. She would then take the labels and sew them onto her daughter's clothing that she bought somewhere else. Now this went on for years. And finally her daughter said, Mom, why do you do that? It embarrasses me. I don't like it. Why do you do it? She said, Honey, I'm doing it for your own good. If ever you get into an accident and they have to take you in an ambulance to a hospital, and they see your clothing and the labels, they'll know you're somebody. We don't get our identity from what we wear, what we own. See, it will control you. It, it controls people. Greed controls them. Uh, they got to work two jobs to get that extra furniture in the house or the extra car or whatever else they want. Uh, they, they have to, um, well, it, it just controls everything they do. They have to use that plastic money. You know, we're conditioned by our culture to want things we don't need. Subliminal messages come through the advertisement, come through the television commercials, come through so many messages in our culture. This is what you need. 
and you'll be happy. This is what you want and you'll be success. This is what successful people wear. Uh, a man is uh, clothes he wears. We're not identified by our valuables. Our net worth isn't what we own. It's this relationship with God. It's the fact that I'm created in his image. It's the fact that I am loved by him. Christians are called to live counterculture, completely different. Possessions wind up possessing us. They wind up controlling. Oh, I got to stay home and clean up the house. You know you want a nice museum. Right? And it, it, they wind up reaching out and honing you. You got to watch them. You got to, oh, I'm a, And people absolutely consumed by things. We become like one of our possessions. And that's what Jesus was warning. It dehumanizes. It guts our soul. It takes away that sense of spirituality from us. In Mark chapter 4, it talks about the word of God, the seed of, is compared with the word of God. It says, the seed that fell among the thorns represent those who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by worries of this life the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced. People's spirituality dwindles, disappears, because they're caught up with greed. They're caught up with the love of things, the love of this present world. Tony Campolo said, you can't live your life for real. By accumulating things you don't need without dying inside emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually until an individual can stand up to the culture, turn his back, and say, who cares? He can't be a follower of Jesus Christ. Just this past week, I heard Rick Warren. I tell you, I was so blessed by what I heard. He talked about how six years ago, when his book, The Purpose Driven Life, became the most popular book other than the Bible in history. It sold more copies than any other single book in history, except for the Bible. It sold more than the Koran. It's been translated into a hundred different languages. He said within a matter of a short amount of time, he became a very wealthy man. Tens of millions of dollars, literally tens of millions of dollars just flooded in. And he began to think, God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And God began to speak to his heart and direct him. He had developed a practice previous in earlier years starting to tithe. And then the next year, his first year of marriage, they were tithing. The next year, they gave 11%. The next year, they gave 12%. The next year, they gave 13%. That was the practice of their life. And so he took all this money before God, and he said, God, what do you want? And he returned all of the money for his salary as a pastor for 25 years at Saddleback Church. He decided to live on 10%. He said, it wasn't going to change my life. I was going to be concerned about children 
who are victims of AIDS and orphans, and we decided to serve Christ with everything we have. He said, we still live in the same house we lived in 15 years ago. He said, I still drive the same car. It's eight years old, a Ford truck. Our culture tells us, you are what you own. You are what you possess. That's where you get your identity from. So many young people caught up into that. Young people, do me a favor. Shock your parents next time. When you go into the store, you don't have to have the best sneakers and the newest thing out on television and the best clothing, the name brand. Shock them. It's not about what you wear and what some uh, pop star is wearing, somebody on television has. It's not about that. We're Christians. It's a lot different for us. We don't gain our identity by what we wear and by the, the price tag on the clothes that we wear. Now, greed impacts us personally in that it controls us, it identifies us, it possesses us. Instead of us possessing our possessions, they reach out and possess us. They control our lives. Greed will impact my relationship with God, it impacts my relationship with myself, and it impacts my relationship with everybody around me. In Luke 12, 48, greed will exploit our relationships with others. When someone has been given much, much will be required in turn. When someone has been entrusted with much, even much will be required. We are so blessed as a nation. You look at how people lived 50 years ago and how they live today. What a difference. I mean, we have so many conveniences. I remember growing up in New York. I didn't even have a car. We just used the bus and we used the train. And now I think, boy, Lord, You've blessed us, and you look at how the world around us lives. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians, moreover, it's required in stewards that one be found faithful. We are called to be faithful in how we treat the things that God has so blessed us with, the gifts he so richly bestowed upon our lives. How does greed impact a person's family? In Proverbs 15, 27, it says, Greed brings grief to the whole family. Children never get out of that two-year-old stage where it's mine, give me. Grow up into childhood, into teenage years. Parents, oh yeah, the wife that's so very demanding of her husband, of her family. We gotta have this, we gotta have that. We've got to have the newest gadget. We, that's greed. The husband, that's such a tightwad. That he'll only spend money on something that's physical. Like he says, I'll buy a VCR or a nice big screen television, but go on a vacation with your family and give them a good... No, no, I don't see value in that because I come away with nothing tangible. And so they don't want to spend money on something like that. That's Greed. God help us to not be controlled by greed. It impacts our family. Did you ever think about, Lord, what do you want me to do? 
I want more of this and more of that. Greed is pictured by hands reaching out to acquire, hands holding tightly on to what they have. Scott Titus says nearly 80% of all divorces for those between 20 and 30 years of age are caused by money. 80%. Our culture is creating in us a desire for things that we don't need. People want to go shopping to know and figure out what they want. I'm thinking of Dennis the Menace with this little cartoon. Dennis the Menace is looking through this catalog and he's drooling. And he says, all the things I never knew I wanted. We begin to become identified by possessions, and that's, you know, I a story about a man who bought a new BMW. He's driving that BMW, and he gets cut off, and he veers off the road, and he gets into an accident, nearly demolishes the car. He, he staggers, and he gets out, and he's, he, he's sort of in a daze, and he just begins to mutter curses, and just angry, he says, my new BMW, look what's happened. And some passerby stop to try and help him, and then they try and comfort him and say, sir, do you realize that your arm is mangled and it's, it had been severed off? He starts weeping and crying, oh no, my Rolex, my Rolex. It's not about things. It's about God. It's about Him. We need to be concerned about our world because it impacts us in our relationship, in our home. It impacts in our relationship with our world. In Amos, the prophet said in the 8th chapter, listen to this, you who walk all over the weak, you who treat the poor people as less than nothing, you exploit the poor using them. And then, when they're used up, you discard them. I'm keeping track of every last sin. I just want to read to you something that, if we were to reduce the population of the world to 100 people and put them all in a village, if we were to reduce percentage-wise the population of the world to 100 people in a village. This would be the breakdown. The village would have 60 Asians, 14 Africans, 12 Europeans, 8 Latin Americans, 5 from the U.S. and Canada, and 1 from the South Pacific. Now, 51% of them would be male. 49 would be female. 82 would be non white. 18 would be white. 67 would be non-Christian. 33 would be Christian. 80 would live in substandard housing. 67 would be unable to read. 50 would be malnourished and one dying of starvation. 33 would be without access to safe water. 39 would lack access to improved sanitation. 24 would have no electricity. And of the 76 that do have electricity, most would only use it for light at night. 
Seven people would have access to the internet. One would have a college education. One would have HIV. Two would be near birth, one near death. Five of them would control 32% of the entire world's wealth. All five would be U.S. citizens. 33 would be receiving and attempting to live on only 3% of the income of the village. We have to be stewards of what God has blessed us with. The dash on the gravestone between the date of our birth and the date of our death shouldn't be about getting. It should be about giving. It shouldn't be about us, but it should be about us serving others. Someone has said, what I kept, I lost. What I spent, I had. What I gave, I have. Tolstoy, in a story, tells about a peasant man who wanted to acquire land. And he came across a man who offered him all the land that he could walk around between sunup and sundown. He could have all of the land he would want for a thousand rubies. All he had to do is place the hat and the rubies there and he would have to walk as far as he wanted and get there before sundown. So he was going to set out and he set out walking and as he set out walking it became hot took off his coat and he kept on going a little further and further. He said, look at that rich soil there and he reached there and then he took his shovel and he dug a hole and he put a marker and then he set off going in the other direction. As he went in the other direction he saw in the distance a, a beautiful wetland area where there was water and he decided that would be great for my property. So he went further than he should. And then he started heading back and he recognized the sun was getting low and so he began to run and pace himself and then he came to the next corner and he dug a hole and he saw the sun just about setting and he could see the people in the distance cheering him on and he began to run harder and harder and his heart was beating his breath he could hardly hold, keep it. He just was out of breath. Finally, right before sundown, he reached the place that he started. He fell exhausted on the ground, his hands on the money, and the servants go to pick him up, and he's dead. And Tolstoy said all he needed was six feet. Some of you won't even get six feet. They'll cremate you. What is it all about? Is it about possessing, having? <laughs> you know, uh, I want to leave it to my children. Well, they say that in three years, your children will go through any inheritance you leave them. The majority of them. Ecclesiastes 5.15, and I close with this verse. We all come to the end of our lives as naked and empty-handed as on the day we were born, we can't take our riches with us. Look at the pharaohs and their pyramids all around, but a decomposed body, an empty shell, 
Let's live for more than just possessions. Let's live to serve Him. The 1995 film starring Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt highlighted gruesome crimes all centered around the seven deadly sins. And while this movie is far from biblical, we do know that each one of us are open to the temptations of the flesh. Pastor Ed is sharing a seven-part series, each part on a specific sin. To learn more about Building in Faith or to get a free copy of today's teaching, simply log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. That's buildinginfaithradio.com. Although Building in Faith is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the Word of God. It's our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's Word from beginning to end. If not, we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for Worship on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For service times, driving directions, and more information, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Building in Faith with Dr. Edward Jones. Please join us next time as Pastor Ed continues teaching through his series entitled Seven Deadly Sins, right here on Building in Faith. Your word restores.